0: Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. It's Unconventional Love Stories Month and we've watched A Man and His Doll, A Man and His Computer, and now we're going to be checking out a woman and her vampire. This week's movie is the 1995 comedy horror fantasy film Vampire in Brooklyn, starring Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. This is when Eddie Murphy was still doing R-rated movies. This is one of the movies that me and my cousin would watch on repeat when we were younger. We quoted the whole movie on the regular. Let's see how it holds up. Y'all ready? Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. As a credits roll, we hear Eddie Murphy's voice with a Caribbean accent giving us some exposition. We love a good narrator. And I appreciate that it wasn't a fake Jamaican accent. We just know he's from the islands. Pull up that song there, muddy mm. dog. He tells us that years ago, the undead vampires were driven from Africa and forced to settle on an island in the Bermuda Triangle. Are you guys old enough to remember the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle? When ships would go missing without a trace? If you don't, look it up. It's a real thing. Hold up. You know, I forgot that Wes Craven directed this. It's nighttime, we have two guys, Julius and his uncle Silas, hanging out in the office on the dock, watching some TV. Suddenly, a rusted out ship crashes through the dock and nearly takes them out. Julius takes one look at this scary ship, and he's like, deuces. You know what? I would've done the same damn thing. His uncle, however, decides to board the ship and walks around investigating and finds nothing but bodies. Then he sees the big old wolf jump off the ship and down the alley. He watches as the shadow of the wolf transforms into a man and walks off. Julius is back at his girlfriend's house and she kicks him out for snoring in the middle of their lovemaking. (gasps) You that tired, Julius? Unfortunately, he owes some money to some Italian mob guys and they spot him and start chasing him down an alley. They corner him and they're about to shoot him when they get interrupted. Wouldn't do that if I were you. What? Huh? You might miss the heart. You aim between the eyes. That way you get a nice even spray. A man appears out of the fog and says he's Max Million. It's Eddie Murphy, y'all. And he's wearing some kind of jerry curl lace front wig. Yikes! Sidebar. This movie didn't do so well in theaters. And Eddie Murphy has been quoted as saying it's because of the wig. He thinks the wig was so awful. People hated it so much. <laughs> they didn't want to see the movie. As a kid, I didn't really notice. As an adult, though? Yikes! So the goons, they shoot Max and he falls to the ground, but he don't stay there. He rises right back out and reaches out, rips the heart out of one of them, and then runs and starts attacking the other one. Don't go away. (laughs) Nah, B, I'm out, I'm out. Julius knows when to leave a bad situation. He dips. But Max catches up with him and puts two drops of his own blood on Julius's tongue, turning him into a ghoul. Now he has to serve Max. He tells Julius he's on a mission to find his special mate, a half-human, half-vampire chick. We're back at the dock, and it is a horrendous crime scene. Cops are everywhere, and they're bringing out bodies. Two detectives named Rita and Justice arrive on the scene to check what's going on. Rita is Justice's new partner, and she's been having a rough go of it. Rita goes off alone by herself and finds a hidden room in the base of the ship. And she sees a coffin. That's when you leave. Rita approaches the coffin. Hold up, that's not a red flag? What are we doing? She opens the coffin and sees a version of herself literally in the coffin, a doppelganger. It opens its eyes and grabs her. And she screams and pulls back as the coffin closes. I would be freaking out. Max is there. He came back for his coffin. He's watching from the shadows and he's about to attack her, but then he sees her and recognizes her and realizes, this is the chick I've been looking for. He disappears before she can get a good look at him, and she runs upstairs to go grab Justice to show him the coffin. When they come back, coffin gone. Spooky. They did find a writer-off ear. Yeah, turns out it belongs to Julius. His ear fell off. Just like that. Max follows the usual vampire tropes in the movie. Uh, Doesn't like sunlight, can't see his reflection, doesn't like garlic, that kind of thing. Also, you have to invite him in. He can't just enter your house. That's important for later. Max has Julius bring his coffin back to his rundown apartment. And when I say rundown, I mean Rundown. rundown. Back at the police station, Rita is telling Justice that she has a really bad feeling about this. But Justice is brushing her off. You're reading too much into this. Is she? Because y'all just discovered a ship full of bodies with all of the blood drained out of them. Their captain tells them that the ship's log was in a different language, so they had to send it off to a specialist named Dr. Zico to decipher it. Julius has disguised himself as a janitor, and he's eavesdropping on the conversation so he can report back to Max. He sees a huge roach crawling on someone's bread on their desk, and he picks it up and eats it like it's a treat. Uh! This is what being a ghoul gets you? I'm out. Just end it, dog. By the way, the ear isn't the only thing falling off of Julius. Julius is driving Max around the limo and he's saying, hey, she was right there. Why didn't you just bite her? Max tells him it don't work like that. She has to willingly give herself to him. All he needs is one dance to seduce her. Justice and Rita are walking down the street, headed to Dr. Zico's. And Justice tells her that the seaweed from the ship came from an island in the Caribbean. Rita says, oh yeah, my mother used to do her studies down there. Justice tells her, you don't talk about your family. What's up? Rita's dad died before she was even born. And her mother, after giving birth to her, lost her mind and she had to be placed in a mental institution. And she just died three months ago. So she never knew her dad and her mother went crazy. They arrive at Dr. Zico's, but it is not your normal practice. It's basically a nightclub. They got a live band playing great music, people are dancing, and the song that they're playing is very superstitious. Writings on the wall. Hopefully, I'm able to find a clip to replace my bad singing. If not, apologies. They meet Dr. Zico who pauses when he sees Rita and looks at her, very sus. He tells them that the ship came from the Bruna Triangle. Well, that tracks. In the ship's log, the captain says that the voyage was full of sickness and nightmares. They believe that there was an evil on board the ship. Dr. Siegel says, now that evil is here. It's the last vampire. Well, that's quite an icebreaker, Doc. He says that vampires aren't a club where you just get bit and become one. They are a race. And they're shapeshifters. They can change into anyone. Justice is like, man... Get out of here with all that garbage. And he decides to go and make a phone call. But Rita, she sticks around. Because she's taking Dr. Zico's theory more seriously. She asks him how he knows so much about vampires. And he tells her he had to face one on his island. Over a woman. He lost. And the woman was taken. I wonder if that woman started a relationship with that vampire and had a baby. Hmm. He warns Rita to be careful. And to keep her faith. And then he walks away. Max shows up and saves her from a snake attacking her. Yeah, there was a snake behind the glass and he used his vampire powers or whatever to make it attack her so he could save her. Smooth dude, smooth. He hits her with some game and then asks her for a dance. They're about to dance when Justice shows up and interrupts. <laughs> Rita and Justice go back to her apartment where they're kind of in a little bit of an argument because Rita believes what Dr. Zico is saying and Justice is like, supernatural, it's garbage. Sometimes I feel things, all right? Her roommate, Nikki, hears the commotion and comes out of her room to greet them. She is sizing up Justice hardcore. Rita's done for the night and she goes to her room. Who painted this? Oh, that's Rita's. She paints things she sees in her nightmares. Justice leaves the apartment and Nikki follows behind him with his keys. He forgot them. She basically throws herself at him. This girl is coming on strong. Like she's the literal definition of thirsty. But Justice ain't feeling it though and he dips. Max shows up and Nikki invites him in. They go to her room where Max starts giving her the vamp special. They're making so much noise that Rita comes out of her room and she heads to the balcony to do some painting. She is big mad. She thinks justice is in the room with Nikki. Right in the middle of all that passion, Max kills Nikki. Now, Rita can't hear anything because she's outside painting and there's a train coming by, drowning out all the screaming. <laughs> The next day, Rita goes to Nikki's room and sees that it's cleared out with just a note saying that she is moving out on her own with her new man. Obviously, Max wrote the note. Full stop. Rita, you're a cop. You think your roommate got her world rocked last night and then got up and moved all of her stuff in the middle of the night without making any noise and left you a note? Max's plan, in his words, is to take away everything that she has And then give her everything that she needs. I don't know about you guys. But this is starting to feel like a toxic relationship. Rita's feeling lost. And so she goes to her church. Which mm, Max is not feeling. Because him and God. They're not homies. He goes around back. And sees that the preacher is uh, by his van. Sneaking a little bit of the devil's water. Wine. Alcohol y'all. He drinking before he about to give a sermon. So Max kills him. And then shape shifts into him. Rita goes to talk to him, not realizing that that's not your preacher no more. She's talking to Max. Eddie Murphy could give a master class in disguises. He's talking to Rita and they guide him into the church and he starts smoking. No 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 I mean smoke is coming out of him. So Max tells them, all right guys, uh we're going to church on the lawn. So they're all on the lawn gathered and he starts preaching to the flock that evil is necessary thereby evil is good. Break that down again for me. Evil Mm. is necessary, thereby, if necessary, evil must be good. So he's twisting the words and everyone's nodding and agreeing. Personally, it's a funny scene and I'm not offended. This just shows you that you gotta also read the word and know God for yourself. People out here really be wolves, or in this case, a vampire pretending to be a preacher. It starts getting really funny because as he's preaching, he starts putting church members on blast, digging up some dirt. Brother Brown was down on Bushwick with Gavin the last night with a $2 hoe. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Justice shows up and he literally plants a reminder in Rita's mind about Nikki. So Rita confronts him. Oh, you slept with Nikki, huh? Then lightning and thunder hit. All right, Max, you better watch yourself. Rita walks away and Justice follows her telling her he didn't sleep with Nikki. She don't believe him. He repeats his innocence and then tells her that he's there because they got a lead on the two dead Italian dudes in the alley. Remember them? As they're getting ready to leave and drive off, by this time, Max has gotten the church choir singing, Evil is Good. What? More lightning and thunder come and then it starts pouring down rain. And the church service ends. Everyone's running off. I guess someone didn't like his sermon. Rita and Justice go visit the Italian mob boss at the restaurant. Outside, Max kills one of their goons and shapeshifts into him. He goes inside, holds everybody hostage, and allows Rita to arrest him. They go back to the police station where Rita and Justice are arguing because Justice is like, you took that guy down, he had a gun on him, he could have hurt you. Rita's being defensive. You know, that's my training. What do you want me to do? That's when Justice admits to Rita that he has feelings for her. Oh, we got a love triangle? I'm with it. When he admits that, him and Rita start to have like a moment. Now remember, Max is sitting right there, handcuffed. He's in the disguise as the Italian boss. He's seeing the connection. He's like, oh, I gotta stop this. So he says, Nikki, that's where I know you. You slept with Nikki. That was dirty, Max. Rita doesn't like that, and she slaps dresses across his face. The captain suspends her for two days. Exactly what Max wanted. Rita is walking by herself back to her apartment at night when a car comes out of nowhere and almost hits her. Luckily, she gets pulled out of the way by Max. He lays on the charm real thick, and he gets her to agree to have dinner with him. He tells he's going to have his car pick her up in an hour. Baby! Baby! When I tell you Miss Angela Bassett came out like, bam, banging, she looks gorgeous. As she's walking out, waiting for the car, Justice pulls up and he sees her and this man can barely keep his jaw off the floor. He's trying to find a way to make up when the limo arrives and Julius gets out to open the door for her. She gets in and he stands there like a lost puppy. Here's what's funny. Julius, played by Kadeem Hardison, by the way, closes the door and he's like, you thought you was gonna hit tonight, huh? Nah, B. <laughs> Oh my god, yo, it's hilarious. I'm sorry, it's funny. It's so funny. I can't do the delivery, guys. I ain't got the gift. She arrives to Julia's building, which, as you recall, train station, complete wreck. She's walking down the hallway, but Max has been using spells, and he made Julius's actual apartment look like a freaking penthouse, top tier level penthouse. They eat, they drink, and Max gets her to dance. During their dance, he is talking to her and seducing her, and she agrees to in, and he bites her. The next day, Justin gets called to a crime scene, and he goes to the very top of a building and sees a woman who is basically Jesus style on some kind of cross, and she is no longer living. It's Nikki. He tries to get a hold of her all day, but he can't. It's nighttime. He heads to her apartment and finds her laying across her bed with no pulse. He starts shaking her up, and then she wakes up. He tells her that Nikki is deceased, and the way that she looked on the scene was exactly how she painted it. Rita is extremely sad, and Justice tells her that he is starting to believe in the supernatural. Maybe she was not all the way off about these things. You think? Then they start kissing. And it starts uh, getting a little rough and uh, shirts are coming off. And it's like, "Uh oh, things are about to happen. And then Rita starts to expose her fangs to bite him. But she sees in the mirror that she is starting to disappear. She runs away screaming. She don't want this. She runs all the way back to Max's place. And she yells like, what have you done to me? Max is like, I didn't do anything to you. I just freed you. I unleashed all of you. The other side of you, the side you didn't know about. Rita says, I don't want this. I want to go back to my old life. And that's what Max tells her. Yeah, I knew your dad. He was a vampire. He fell in love with your mother. And then they killed him. And that's why your mother went insane. Because he sacrificed himself for her. Damn, dog. You could have, like, eased into that. But y'all figured that out, right? I mean, we all knew, basically. 15 minutes in, that was the case, right? Justice returns back to Dr. Ziegle's place and tells him, Okay, doc. I believe in Supernatural. You was right. I can't find Rita. Something's happening to her. What's going on? Dr. Zico says that he knew Rita's mother and he was in love with her mother, but then she got seduced and fell in love with a vampire and had Rita. Dr. Zico tells Justice they need to kill Max before Rita feeds. Once she drinks human blood, humanity gone. It's a wrap. Max is trying to get Rita to feed, but she refuses. She does not want to be a vampire. going forward. You can't run from your hunger, Rita. It's funny. I can't take it serious. It's funny. Rita tries to go into her old church and she can't enter. She gets knocked right back outside. Max takes her, picks her up because she's super weak now and brings her back to Julius's house. Max tells her she has to feed her. She's going to die. She wants to die, but he's not going to let her. He will not be alone again. He won't. Justice and Dr. Zico show up to Julius' apartment. And let me tell you something, Julius is looking like a bona fide corpse right now. You better shut up. Here I come. Oh, you're not afraid. <laughs> this is the benefit of being a ghoul dog? Dr. Zico tries to attack Max, but he gets knocked down. Like, immediately. Justice tells Dr. Zico to take Julius and Uncle Silas, who was there, And go get to safety, so they leave. Justice stays behind, and he's trying to stake Max. But, I mean, come on. He's a vampire. He's so much stronger than you. They're fighting, and then, of course, he gets into the ground and tells Rita to feed. Rita's all transformed. She's like, it's too late. Justice, it's time to die. Sorry. She's getting ready to feed. But then she turns to Max, and she kisses him, which is another vision that she had gotten and painted and tells him that a part of her loves him. And then she stakes him in the heart and tells him that part of her must die. Ooh, that's rough. Max falls back into the coffin and disappears. Max's ring gets tossed down into the limo and Rita changes back into a normal human self. She and Justice embrace and hug and then they uh, kiss. Outside, Julius and Uncle Silas hop into the limo. Julius gets in the back because he's done being a driver and Uncle Silas gets into the front. Julius opens the roof, and Max's ring falls down. He picks it up, puts it on, and transforms to a suave vampire who gets all of his limbs back. Silas basically tells him, uh, I ain't no ghoul, but you the boss. That's right. There's a new vampire in Brooklyn, and his name is Julius Jones. Silas starts the limo, and they drive away. Roll credits. My thoughts. I'm going to keep this short today. Yo, I still love this movie. This is a parody of a vampire horror movie, okay? And I freaking love it. I know it doesn't get a lot of love, but all the leads and supporting characters were on point. I don't think I would feel this way if it was anybody else in those roles. They sell it for me. Maybe it's the nostalgia of watching it over and over again with my cousin as we were kids but it holds up for me and makes me laugh. I just want to add here real quick that the special effects hold up really nicely. And part of that is due to the fact that they do a lot of practical effects, which is becoming a dying art. Everything can't be CGI. CGI should enhance the practical effects in the scene. It should not be a substitution. I'm just saying. Now, I will admit that the tone goes a little bit back and forth and it feels like You know, the movie at times is trying to be super serious and scary, including Eddie Murphy. He was definitely playing it straight. It doesn't scare me. How am I supposed to find this scary when you have John Witherspoon delivering lines like this? You seen The Wolfman? Yeah. To the 25th power! John Witherspoon and Kadeem Hardison ate up these roles. They were hilarious. They have some great lines, and there's so many quotable quotes in here. And I won't tell nobody I saw you cause 'cause I ain't really see you. You know, I'm blind. I got like cataracts, I mean um, contacts. I gotta stick with this man, I can't see, I'm blind. Where Where you at? Where you at? See, look, where you at? Huh, where you at? Some quick fun facts. This is the first time Eddie Murphy has played a villain. Is it the last time though? I can't remember him being a villain in anything else. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now he only agreed to do this movie, because Paramount promised to release the Nutty Professor rights. Yeah, this needed to happen so that we could have the Nutty Professor. Now, although this film has a very special place in my heart, both Eddie Murphy and Wes Craven have disowned it. Wes Craven says that it taught him a hard lesson about doing horror comedy. He says, never fall into the trap of playing it funny. If it's not scary, then it's not going to be funny. So he took this lesson that he learned and applied it to Scream, which he released a year later. That's right guys, that's why Scream is so good. Put some respect on Vampire in Brooklyn's name. It got you Scream. Back to one of the tropes of Dracula where he doesn't like anything dealing with light and God. Watching this in my later years now, I have noticed a few things, like when Julius was turning the music up in the car and it was bothering um, Max, he zaps him, I didn't quite get it initially, but then I realized that the song was, you know, we got to pray, 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 pray. We got to pray just to make it today. Again, not a singer, never said I was, get up off me. And when he's seducing Rita in Julius's apartment, before he bites her neck, he removes her cross chain and tosses it away. Now, one thing about the shape-shifting, after he changed... Into the preacher, Julius goes to him, yo, why don't you just change into her partner? Max told him that he can't do it. He can only enter someone through the doorway of evil. So the preacher, you know, getting drunk before a sermon, the Italian mob guy, what he ended up doing is he was trying to rob Julius and Max. And then Max was like, nah. And that's how he was able to take over and shapeshift. You're making me engineer, all right? (laughs) Yo, this movie has no respect for animal lovers. Relax. It's not real. They didn't really hurt these animals. It was just comedic fun. Those of you who hate on this movie, feel how you feel. But give me one good example of a parody film about vampires. And don't bring up the ones that were making fun of Twilight. What do you guys think about the movie? Have you seen it? Do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Let me know in the comments. Let's talk about it. All right, guys, next week is the viewer's choice. I took a poll and you guys picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Believe it or not, I've never seen this one, and I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, so I'm excited. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button, subscribe, ring that notification bell, so you can always be kept in the loop of what's going on. For early access to episodes, exclusive content, perks, and bonuses, check out my Patreon, NXT Global Productions, and become a part of the community. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Links are in the description. Later!